This is A to Z with Mark Zinno, part of Locked On Sports Atlanta, and it starts now. Good afternoon. Welcome to A to Z here on Locked On Sports Atlanta, where today I tell you it's about redemption and progress. Welcome in. We are live here on this Tuesday as we uh, have start to come down a little bit from the bad weekend that was in Atlanta sports. Welcome in. I am Mark Zeno. This is A to Z. Give us a follow on Twitter at Locked On ATL. You can follow me at Mark Zeno, M-A-R-K-Z-I-N-N-O. Of course, we have great news for you guys. If you are, have an Amazon Fire Stick or have Roku TV, Locked On Sports Atlanta is now part of Roku TV. So we're excited to be on that platform. Make sure you guys check us out there as well if you can and watch all the great shows on the Locked On Sports Atlanta Network right on Roku TV. All right, we got a lot to get to today. Mike Rothstein of ESPN.com is going to join us. We'll do some more reaction to the Falcons, plus the Braves' closing situation. They got by with one last night as the Mets lose, Braves lose, so uh, no harm, no foul. But uh, they got to fi finish up this slog of a West Coast trip here and get back to Truist uh, by the end of the week. All right, um, reaction from yesterday. I think we had some pretty pointed words for Arthur Smith uh, and his post-game reaction on Sunday. And I recorded the show prior to the Arthur Smith press conference yesterday, but I did make the journey up to Flowery Branch and went out there because, as I said, I wanted to hear from Arthur Smith about his reaction in the post-game because a lot of it was what, what people thought he, you know, he was acting childish or he was stomping his feet kind of deal. You know, I didn't necessarily think that. I just generally thought that he was pitting himself against the media and a narrative that wasn't necessarily true and one that he's going to have a hard time getting his way out of because this team likely won't win many games. If they do, then he can tap dance all over our face about what we wrote and what we said prior to the season starting, but you don't do it after a, blow, uh, a come from behind loss in the fourth quarter and a bad come from behind loss to your rival. So for me, what I went there wondering is how he was going to react, how, what he was going to say, when asked the question, I'm going to play it for you here in a second. You're going to hear my direct question to him and his answer. Um, and, and I want you to judge for yourself what you're hearing. But I would also tell you that if you're just listening to this on regular audio podcast, you know, looking at his mannerisms and seeing how he was very direct and almost humble to a point, I think was really critical for uh, showing everybody that he understood in the moment he made a mistake. Here is from yesterday's Arthur Smith Monday press conference. Coach, after the game, obviously, it's, it's emotional. Uh, mm -hmm. He had mentioned two or three times what the media had said, preseason rankings and everything else. I mean, obviously, that has nothing to do with what happens on the field. No, it didn't. Okay, so is that just an emotional response in that moment? or Yeah, it's, you know, obviously, you're, you're frustrated when you lose, um, especially that type of game. Um, that wasn't an indictment on anybody in the crowd. It was more of a... And I could have certainly framed it differently, but it was more of like, hey, this team is has made progress and we're here to compete. And uh, yeah, it wasn't an indictment in the crowd. And yeah, I can be better. You talk about being objective, you know, don't let frustration and make some grand vague statement. That's really not what my point. My point was more of this team has made a lot of progress. Uh, we finished games last year, ironically down in New Orleans and we got to clean up stuff in the fourth quarter, but it starts with me. I mean, that is about as good as an answer as you can give. 
It really is. He was honest. He was forthright. He owned it. He took responsibility, said he didn't want to make a grand generalization, that he was trying to point out something else. And in the moment, it came out wrong. I can forgive him for all that. I, I, I think there's redemption all that. I think there was a lot of questions about his sort of fitness as a coach and his fitness to lead the team um, in those moments and the way he reacted. But he absolutely nailed it, if you ask me. I, I was really impressed with his answer. And, and I, look, I told you guys yesterday, and I said it on Twitter, I like Arthur Smith. I like him a lot. I, I think that he is a good head coach. I think he had a bad moment. I think he's entitled to that. You're entitled to a couple of them in a game of football. It's an emotional game. It drains you. So I'm not gonna go, going to sit here and, and harp on this and what he said after the game any longer. I think he answered it. He ended it. He was able to move on. But I think the big piece here is what he said about this team has made progress. And why is that important? I'll tell you that in a second. First, a word for my friends at betonline.net, the fastest and easiest way to check in on all of your betting needs. Find all your favorite sports and events at the number one online source for odds, lines, and games. Betonline.net, the place to go. They got reviews for every single league, news for every single league. Obviously, the NFL in full swing, Major League Baseball playoffs coming up right around the corner. NBA, NHL season starting soon, combat sports esports, even golf. BetOnline continues to be the top online resource for all your sports wagering information from live in-game betting, which is a ton of fun, scores, podcasts, they've got you covered, all of it. Head to BetOnline today or use your mobile device to learn more about the action happening today. BetOnline.net, where the game starts. Progress is what this is all about. I think we said yesterday on the show that you have to take a 30,000-foot view. You have to be process over results this year with this team. And the bigger thing, again, in reality, they outplayed that team that they lost to in the fourth quarter. They outplayed it for three quarters. They outplayed it for three quarters plus. And that is a big step. Finishing games gets easier. It genuinely does. Like It, it is not as difficult as you think to finish games. It does get easier. That said... The step to finish the step before being able to finish games is being in a position to finish games. Can't be trailing. You gotta be ahead. And they did that. So many positives came out of week one that we really need to turn our attention to. You guys know me. I'm not the Pollyanna guy. I'm not, oh, everything's great, everything's wonderful. But in reality, as I said repeatedly, if I would have told every Falcons fan before the game, you were going to rush for 200 yards. You were going to have four sacks. And Marcus Marietta wasn't going to throw a pick. You would say, yes, give me that game right now. Without knowing the result, give me that game right now. You'll take that every single week. Those are like key components of winning football games. And the fact they were able to do it and execute it is really important. Here's the other part. And I asked Arthur Smith about this. But the preparedness for that game, they were prepared. That's why they were able to take a commanding lead. That's why they were in control of the game for three quarters. That's why they outplayed them because they were prepared. I have no doubt that Arthur Smith will have this team prepared to play again this week against the Rams. Does it mean they're going to win? No. Does it mean that they are going to have a lead in the fourth quarter? Maybe not. But does it mean that they won't get blown out? I think the answer is yes. Why is that important? Because in years past, this is the spot where they would get blown out. An emotional loss, they come from behind, and boom, what happens? The next team comes in and they are emotionally deflated and they're unprepared and they get smoked. That won't happen this Sunday in LA. That's my guess. That's my prediction. 
And that's really the only prediction you need to have is that they are not going to get their doors blown off by a team that's got more rest, that's ticked off, that needs to get better quicker, needs a win as the defending Super Bowl champs. And they're coming up against a team that, you know, again, hapless, 45th best roster, whatever you want to say. So this is a spot where the Rams really are going to look to take advantage. What can the Falcons do? Smack them right back in the mouth. That's what I'm curious to look for. Don't care if they win the game. Genuinely don't. Give me competitive football. The Falcons should cover this number easily. The look-ahead line was 13. It opened up at 10. Falcons should cover this number. I believe they will. I genuinely believe they will. Now, if they lose this game by 14 or more, what I think is fair is that they were in a one-score game late in the fourth quarter and an extra sort of garbage touchdown ices the thing and the Falcons can't get back in it. Or, you know, they're trying to go hurry in for a game-tying score or to bring it within, you know, a field goal for a chance for an onside kick kind of deal. You know, they're down by eight or, or nine or ten, whatever it is, and uh, they end up getting a pick six and a turnover, whatever it is, and, you know, they lose by 17, 14, whatever it may be. I think that's acceptable if it goes down that way, the game script goes down that way. But just don't lose 35 to 10, plain and simple. All right, coming up next, Mike Rothstein of ESPN. ESPN.com was with me yesterday at that press. I want to get his thoughts and reactions from it uh, as we continue on with the Atlanta Falcons. That's next right here on A to Z on Locked On Sports Atlanta, free on YouTube and wherever you get your podcast. search Locked On Sports Atlanta. Don't forget, welcome back to A to Z here on Locked On Sports Atlanta, free on YouTube and wherever you get your podcast. search Locked On Sports Atlanta. Don't forget, we are now on Roku. So if you have an Amazon Fire Stick, you can catch all the Locked On Sports Atlanta shows on Roku TV. So we're very excited to be on that platform as well. Uh, let's continue the Atlanta Falcons discussion with my good friend from ESPN, ESPN.com. Michael Rothstein joins us here on A to Z. Mike, good morning. Welcome. It certainly has been a uh, fun 24, 36 hours as a, as a Falcons reporter, I'd say the least. I mean, it, whatever. It, I'm used to this by now, covering <laughs> the Lions for eight years. This is nothing new when, when you've been doing this for covering the NFL t- for 10 years covering sports for 20 uh you know I, i'm probably the only reporter and you mark you and i talked about this a little bit yesterday uh i'm probably the only reporter that when arthur smith you know went off a little bit on sunday kind of just shrugged and said okay sure moving on like no, no, because, that's Patricia, so that's a whole different level of well that. it's not it's not even that i mean it, i i i I, I don't take a lot of times what coaches say at the at, right after games at true face value, especially in the NFL because, and in college football, when I cover college football, because there are limited opportunities. It is a job that while I, I would argue that their um, coaching shelf life is longer in terms of you look at NBA teams, you look at NHL, you look at baseball, you look at premiership, like dudes get fired or sacked or whatever word you want to call it, sometimes less than a season in. The NFL, very rarely do you see it happen before two years. But because there's so few opportunities, the pressure ratchets up. And listen, that was a game that, frankly, the Falcons should have won. And I can understand why Arthur Smith was frustrated. And I can understand why he was annoyed. And I can understand also that he was probably using – 
some of that messaging, not for anyone in the media or even the fans, but to his players of just saying, listen, yeah, it didn't work, but it's not like their schedule gets easier here. And again, to that point, you know, reminding his team that they were, quote, buried by the media and all these rankings in a game that they should have won is a way of saying, you're validating that narrative by the way we played in the fourth quarter, like almost sticking it to them in a sense, in a backhanded way. I could, I could sort of see that. And I also sort of see, we talk a little bit about this too as well. It might've been, and if it was intentional, it might've been sort of a wry plan from Arthur Smith to take the focus off of the failures in the fourth quarter and put it on the post-game press conference, right? Like it almost got gave his players a little bit of a pass because guys like me and other people in the Atlanta media spent more of the focus on what he said after the game than actually what unfolded in the fourth quarter, which was 213 yards, 17 points in five minutes and 25 seconds. Right, exactly. Except, by the way, and, and to that point a little bit, you know, a lot of what I've heard in the last 48 hours has been, oh, they went soft defensively. Oh, they did this. Oh, they did that. No. That's actually false, by the way, because they blitzed four times out of, I think it was like 15 plays in the fourth quarter. They blitzed as many times in the fourth quarter as they did any other quarter that they played. They played more man than zone, so they can go into a soft shell. All of this is just the reality. That's what the numbers say, the facts say. So I don't think defensively they got less aggressive. I think it just... New Orleans went back in protection more. They went into shotgun. They were in shotgun every snap in the fourth quarter. And what that did very simply was it put them in a position where they were able to get quick passes away with more max protection, and that negates the Atlanta pass rush. That's what happened defensively. It's that simple. All right, one more on uh, what went down yesterday, because I I think it's worth noting, and, and, you know, I said this at the top of the show, was essentially that, there is redemption in what I saw from Arthur Smith yesterday. I think he handled my particular question about the way he handled the post-game press conference as good as you can uh, and owned it and was able to quickly turn the page from it so it's not lingering on. But I think that speaks a lot to his leadership, his sort of fitness for the job uh, of being a head coach in this league and you know how much – he is going to be able to prepare his team for what's next because I think preparation was the key takeaway of what I took for took away from in game one is that they were prepared to play that game and I think they'll be prepared again this week. Yeah, listen, they outplayed New Orleans. Like well, that that's that's was clear, right? They didn't finish the game like I just talked about. They the players struggled in part because New Orleans made really good adjustments. And Jameis seemed to finally find some sort of rhythm in the fourth quarter. I think that those things were the difference. You know, I know there's a lot of back and forth on the fourth and one, whether you should have punted or not. Well, if, you're, if your argument is that defense wasn't stopping anybody, well, okay, except for the fact that if you get stopped, then you're pretty much giving them 15 yards and they can bleed the clock completely down. That's not what happened. Like that, that's why I would have done the same thing Arthur Smith did. By the way, in that situation, I would have put it, make them go 50, 60 yards because yeah. you're not expecting them to hit a 40 yard chunk play. And realistically, realistically, what happened there was there was a there was a blown coverage. Right. And when the there's a blown coverage, coverage. That, that that does you in because if that doesn't happen, then and you're able to keep them in bounds, then they're having to make a 60 yard field goal at best. And that's right. if Jameis gets everywhere down the field. Right. And the other part of that, which people are neglecting is simply this, is that 
that third down play, they made them burn their final timeout, right? And so now they have no timeouts, and the clock essentially becomes the 12th defender by putting them deep and making them go further down the field. That, exactly. That's the exact logic. If they had timeouts there, it's a different conversation. Because yeah. you know, if they had timeouts, you know, even if they had one timeout and they got to go 40 yards to get in field goal range, that's a huge lift. They had no timeouts. And as you said, it was a broken coverage. So I didn't hate the, the, the decision to punt. All that said, uh, let's turn the page, and we'll do so in a second here. But first, a word from my friends at Coffee AM. Guys, I start my morning every day with Coffee AM. Coffee's from around the world, Sumatra, Kenya, Costa Rica. You have heard me talk to you guys about them so much because they are the best small batch coffee roaster in America, and it's right here in Georgia. Uh, they are fresh, and they are fresh because they are roasted and shipped on the same day or very close to it. And again, you get all these flavored coffees, teas, espressos, blends, Whatever you want, they've got something for you. Go to coffeeam.com backslash locked on and check out the full menu of coffees, teas, and gifts. That's again, coffeeam.com backslash locked on. Use the promo code locked on to get 15% off your first order at checkout of coffees, teas, and gift sets at coffeeam.com. Best small batch coffee roaster in America. All right, Mike, back to um, the Falcons here. I, I want to play a little game with you in a moment called Anomaly or Reality, but I do want to ask about the Rams here because you're getting a, a very tough opponent, obviously one that's coming off a loss as it's three extra days to prepare. This is one of these redemption games for Arthur Smith in a sense where you look at this and you go, I feel like teams in years past towards the end of Dan Quinn and even last year get blown out in this spot. Again, I think the expectations, and I talked about this for months now, just be competitive, be competitive in every game. Don't get, totally outmanned, outmatched. If you can be competitive with this roster, that's 45th. Remember, out of 32 teams, 45th. Um, if you can be competitive with this roster, then I think that says a lot. And how they play this game, to me, is more important than the results of this game. Yeah, to an extent. I think if they're able to build on what we saw, which is have a balanced offense, which is what Arthur Smith is looking for, run the ball effectively, Continue to get pass rush because that's one thing that we know is vulnerable right now with the Rams is they let Matthew Stafford sat 17 times, hit or pressure, you know, hit what 15 times. I've said it. The Bills are a different class of defense than the Falcons. They're really most other teams in the NFL, so that's not a knock on the Falcons. But the Rams are able to produce a similar Oh, we just lost Mike. Let's see if we can get him back. Oh, there he is. Okay. Yeah, sorry. Right. Okay. You're back um, in. Technology rules. Go ahead. Technology. But what I was saying is if if Atlanta can get a similar type of production this Sunday that they got last week, pass rush was, quarterback pressure was, that to me is a win because what it also does is it shows consistency and it shows that it's not just one game against the the Saints that you did, it's against another team as well. And then I think that gives you something really to build on. That's all you, to me, that's what you want to see, win or loss. Right. Right. You understand what the season is, but you want to see, continue, you want to see improvement. And I think you saw a lot of that against New Orleans. And listen, I think it's going to be a tough game because you're going to get a tough, you're going to get an angry Rams team that got embarrassed. Yes. Like, yeah. especially on offense. That offense is pretty darn good. And you have an offensive-minded head coach in Sean McVay. Like, that, I think it's going to be a tough go 
for the Falcons on Sunday, but at the same time, like I, I was impressed by what I saw from them against the Saints. So we'll see what happens. Listen, I, I think you can see any range of outcomes here against the Rams because if the Rams can't protect, well, that the Falcons have a shot. I, I truly believe that. Now I don't know how much they're going to be able to move the ball, but one thing we saw was that Arthur Smith can scheme to protect Mariota and use kind of the scheme as that sixth or seventh pass blocker to buy them more time along with Mario's legs, the five offensive linemen, and if they keep somebody in and that can help when you've got a defense that has Aaron Donald and Leonard Floyd like that, you know, they're a really good Rams defense. It's going to be a true test for this Falcons offense, but I'll tell you what, Mark, if they can show they can protect again, because they didn't allow a sack against the saints, then I think you can actually say, hey, this offensive line is pretty good. And again, that's another thing that you can say you can build on because most of these guys are young and under contract in theory for a little while. I think the point simply is continue to progress forward every game. And in the in the 30,000-foot view, and I said this yesterday, you have to keep a 30,000-foot view with this team. You can't get wrapped up in an individual game as meaning more than anything else. They're not expected to be a playoff team. Don't worry about them losing close games or whatever. I think it's more about them being competitive in the big scheme and being able to show that if you can be competitive with this roster, when you have room to build on it next year, you're going to be a lot better. All right, let's uh, let's play a little fun game here as, as we finish up, okay? And this is about – because week one is the grand overreaction week in the NFL, right? We all sure. do it. Okay, so we're going to play anomaly or reality. I'm going to give okay. you a scenario. You tell me whether game one was just an anomaly or it's likely a reality – for the rest of the year. The ability to rush, let's not even say for 200 yards, which they did in game one, but the ability to have a rushing game that is in the top 15 of the league, anomaly or reality? Uh, that's a tough one only because I think they want to split more Damian Williams and Cordero Patterson, and we didn't see that. And we saw Cordero Patterson had a very hot hand, and they can't run Cordero Patterson 22 no. times a game. I'm going to say reality because I think if you are able to balance Patterson and Damian Williams, eventually work in Tyler Algier, work in Avery Williams, who I thought didn't look bad in his limited work, I think that there's the capability of having a top 15 run, run up, rushing offense for sure based off of what we saw on Sunday. I think that's reality. The Falcons had four sacks in game one. Well, that is not a reality for anybody to average that over the course of a 17-game season. But – uh, if I set the over under right now at 33 sacks, is that an anomaly or a reality the way they were able to get to the quarterback? This is a team I'm that gonna, barely got to 20 the last I know all, I know that. I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go with anomaly, and I only say that because of the quarterbacks that they're gonna play and the offenses they're gonna play, and they have a lot of mobile quarterbacks coming down the road. And it's much harder to necessarily sack a mobile quarterback. So I think that those numbers will be a, will be skewed a little bit more. Plus, they're playing a few teams that are run heavy. And some offenses like Tampa Bay's, for instance, where Tom Brady gets the ball out so fast that you, you're just not sacking him more than once or twice, even with their struggles on the offensive line. Because, frankly, what you're going to do is if you get a two-yard stop there, that's a win when you're playing Tampa because of their offense. So I think that's anomaly, but I think the, the passers will be markedly better. And I think it's possible they get close to that number for sure. But I, I don't think that they would surpass it. All right. Final one for you here. AJ Terrell was beat often 
late in the game. AJ Terrell taking a step back like he did in week one. Anomaly or reality? Reality. And, and that's wow. You no, know, but I don't think it's a big step back. I don't think it's a big step back. But the the truth of it is this. I think the Falcons do want to play more man. And we saw them play more man than zone in the fourth quarter, which, by the way, shoots down that. I can't even say narrative. I'm going to sound like Arthur Smith, but it shoots down the belief that they went to a soft zone, which I think you and I both heard a lot about. Well, that's not true. They actually played more man than zone in the fourth quarter. You know, and if you're playing man, you're going to be you're by playing man, you're being more aggressive. So I think the more man they play, it's going to be harder on AJ Terrell because last year, some of those numbers were inflated by the amount of cover two and the amount of zone they played. AJ Terrell is a great cornerback. He's one of the best young cornerbacks in the NFL. But if they're, they want to play more man, there are going to be days that he does struggle. And listen, Michael Thomas is a heck of a receiver. People just forget that because he hasn't played for two years. But when he last played and was healthy, he was the best receiver in the NFL. So no shame on A.J. Terrell because he got beat by Michael Thomas like most guys do. So sure. I think A.J. Terrell will take a step back because I think they're going to try and be more aggressive. And that's just going to lead to more one on one situations. So I don't think he's going to have those gaudy numbers necessarily like he did a season ago. But I think he's going to be just as good of a cornerback, if not better, in terms of what he's able to give the defense. He is Mike Rothstein of ESPN, ESPN.com, Falcons reporter. Always great to talk to you, brother. Thank you so much for the time uh, this morning. And uh, I will see you out in Flowery Branch. Well, actually, you're heading out to California, but uh, we'll see uh, when the Falcons return. So great to talk to you as always, bro. Absolutely. Thank you. All right. We will take a time out. Come back. Uh, touch on the Atlanta Braves and the closing situation next right here on A to Z. Final segment of A to Z here on Locked On Sports Atlanta, free on YouTube and wherever you get your podcast. Search Locked On Sports Atlanta. Don't forget. Roku TV, our newest platform. Make sure you guys give us uh, a check out over there as well. Don't forget to subscribe to that YouTube channel. Give the thumbs up on all the content there. Certainly appreciate a uh, list of great shows here on Locked On Sports Atlanta. A to Z, Hitting Hard with John Chuckery, ATL Day Ones with Jarvis Davis and Tanisha Batiste. Our Braves postcast after every game. And don't forget about Locked On Falcons and Locked On Hawks. In fact, I was on Locked On Falcons this week with my good buddy Aaron Freeman. So check that out as well if you want to see him and I Cut it up. Uh, Aaron and I are – we hold to a, a very simple maxim. When Aaron and I agree on something, it's generally 100% accurate. So uh, – because we never agree. But there's that. Uh, speaking of never agreeing, I never agree with anybody who deserves a shovel of wisdom. Brace yourselves because it's time for the shovel of wisdom. Every day, you know how we do it. Gotta hit somebody right outside the head saying you're doing something stupid. You can do so on my Twitter account at Marcino. Use the hashtag shovel of wisdom. And today my shovel goes to Nathaniel Hackett. Anybody actually watch that Monday night game last night? I did. Um what a disgusting display of coaching that was by Nathaniel Hackett, the head coach of the Denver Broncos. I mean just awful. Not clock management, game management, situational management. It was downright abhorrent. And here is what I am coming to the sort of concept of more than anything. You know, when you hire um, offensive coordinators who have had all-time great quarterbacks at their disposal, 
Uh, yeah, you know, it kind of never works out well. Adam Gase sucked as a head coach. How did he get his job? He was the, he was the OC and quarterbacks coach for Peyton Manning. Um, let's look around here. Uh, Matt Nagy sucked as a head coach. He was the offense quarterbacks coach with uh, Patrick Mahomes. Um, Nathaniel Hackett, offense coordinator, quarterbacks coach with uh, Aaron Rodgers. Dear Lord. I mean, these guys get jobs based off of the quarterback, and you're talking about quarterbacks who don't need an offensive coordinator. They are the offensive coordinator. Josh McDaniels may be the lone exception to that. We're going to find out. But, you know, uh, with Brady, dear Lord. It, it is awful. Terrible at game management. I don't understand. Like six year olds at Madden would be better with what these coaches do. Just awful. Like fourth and five. And, and forget fourth and five and letting Russ cook and all that. How about, you know, the entire offensive philosophy for the whole game? You're averaging like seven yards of carry on the ground. And you just stop running the ball. Don't you love it when coaches do that? Beyond me, man. It is so head scratching. Some of these coaches in the NFL. Their decision making is so bad. Just awful. All right. Speaking of uh, bad decision making here, uh, that's what's going to be like with Brian Fitzgerald tonight if they get into a stage situation. By the way, Braves lose their third straight. Uh, basketball cold. Spencer Strider wasn't great. Uh, anytime you strike out nine, though, just a bit dominant. You know, give, they give up nine hits. Uh, two earned runs. Again, wasn't. Great wasn't his usual exceedingly dominant, but he was good enough. That's so quiet again, with the exception of the ninth inning against Seattle, second straight game. Now they kind of you know just went silent. Um, offensively, that's kind of why you know they lose last night. But we talked a little bit about this yesterday, and I heard some more and more reaction from people about Kevin Cantor and what they're going to do. Uh, and the funny part is, is everybody could use the reference to and if you're stuck with them, they won a World Series. I mean, as much as you'd like for him to move off of dancing, we know he's not going to do it. I don't, I'm not sure why fans are deluding themselves into believing that he's going to do it. Because I think, in general, uh, while you can call it loyalty to a fault, experience in getting to the top of the mountain sort of take loyalty out of the equation and go, uh, I, I've proven I know what I'm doing. I'm going to do it my way. Don't you get that clout as a World Series winning manager? Doesn't Brian Spencer get a pass? Now, some of you say, no, he doesn't. But who cares about last year? Who cares about winning this year? And I think that is a fair and accurate thing. But you have to understand what you're working with here. Working with the guy who's been in baseball a long time, did it his way, won it his way with a team and an organization that two or three years ago, not many expected could do that. And so there is a certain amount of we have to give Brian Spencer enough rope to hang himself with. But also, too, I, I think people are forgetting one other component. There clearly have, had, have been conversations between Brian Spencer and Alex Hamilton. To think that that conversation hasn't gone on in time, of course not. Because Anthopolis is saying, well, this is why we got it. Not the game, but as insurance, if things go haywire, 
like they're doing it. Haywire So, uh, and if Alex Anthopoulos is okay, and it's giving Brian Spencer the authority and the ability to say, I'm sitting with Henley, then what can you really be mad about? I mean, sure, you can complain and gripe and moan as a fan, and I'm not, I'm not, uh, uh, you know, I'm, I'm not against it at all. So I, I don't know what people expect, but I would tell you that you have to be able to give uh, you have to be able to give Sticker and Alex the ability to do their job to do it the way they want to do it. I think they've earned it. I think they're holding it. It really is. A couple of final thoughts here uh, as we uh, depart here on this Tuesday. Coming up tomorrow, uh, a couple of interesting angles on the Georgia Bulldogs, South Carolina Gamecocks, and the Vice President on Saturday as Georgia gets their first real, I don't want to say, Oregon versus Westchester. They get their first conference. And the interesting note here is that three of the last four matchups, particularly with of them coming in Columbia, Georgia has spanked South Carolina. Uh, I have to go back and remember what happened South Carolina win. That big bomb was a decent quarterback. Anyway, point simply being, Georgia's going to dominate. There is a lot of Much as I like Shane Beaver and what he's doing, especially out, I think he's a much better quarterback than they've had in twice the time in South Carolina. Uh, after watching that episode against Arkansas last week, they're going to get it. More on that tomorrow. That'll do it for us today here on previously on Locked On Sports. And then I remember we're free on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts, it's Locked On Sports. And don't forget, we're on Apple, not Apple, on Amazon, Fire Stick TV, Roku TV. You know what I'm talking about. Wonderful Tuesday, though.